those, they get exhausted because it's like they couldn't see exactly what was right in front. I could see it, but I had to focus and get that alignment. And it caused my eye muscles to get really, really weak and start to pull my eyes. And the doctors were amazed because when I go to the doctor and I see these people for my eyes, they're saying, man, this is, this is amazing. We don't know why your eyes are just um, able to focus at all. Because usually with this condition, then what will happen is your eyes will stay crossed. They will not align, which means I would not be able to see at all. So throughout my lifetime, this blinking thing I do was working the muscles of my eyes. So I kept working that muscle, but it was a wisdom that came from God. And I haven't quite figured out why yet I'm not totally aligned, but I feel the alignment coming because... I've got this hope about God taking care of my health. In the womb, when I was there, my mom drank all this stuff trying to get rid of this little baby because I was untimely. And as, they, as that happened, it caused things to happen to parts of my body, my lungs, my, you know, just some things. So I've always had something going on with my health. And I had asthma really bad because my lungs were really, really small. And I remember one day um, Oral Roberts was at a tent meeting right down the street from my house. So I could run down there. And we did that in those days. You could run out in your neighborhood and have a good time. And I went to this little tent meeting where there was um, this preaching going on. It was fire. He was talking all loud. I don't know what he was saying, but it was so good. And I was like, ooh, the choir was singing, and I was stopping my feet and clapping my hands. And, and then he said, come on up here, little girl. And I went up there, and he laid hands on me and said that I was going to be healed. I used to have asthma so bad that I spent most of my time in the emergency room and didn't really notice that I wasn't getting sick as much. You know, I was I was, you know, I would take a little medicine or whatever. But one day I realized I'm not wheezing all the time. I don't know what happened, but something happened to me. And I was little, so I kept on running and doing my own thing. And I was hanging out throughout my lifetime. I remember moments like that, auspicious moments where God just met me. Now, I wasn't saved yet. I knew, God, I knew who God was, and I was all excited about him. I don't even know why I was excited about God, because I, I just was. My grandmother was excited, so I was excited. The power of God kept meeting me in these little intersection places. And I would end up in these places where little miracles, I call them little then, but little miracles that would change my heart and give me an understanding about this God, this mysterious God that I kept hearing my grandmother talk about. So God to me was as normal as waking up in the morning and going down the street. Not because my grandmother could read or write or my grandfather. Neither one of them could read or write. I was the reader and writer from the time I was old enough to read and write in the house. But I remember just the power of God meeting me in the morning. We'd sing and hang out clothes on the line. And, and as we were singing, I could just feel the presence of God. I hear these stories and these songs about this man who gave his life for me. And I said, why did he do that? Why did he go die? Why didn't somebody just get him off that cross? And she would say, he had to do that for us. And I, and I 
couldn't understand it. And I remember crying, just feeling like, I'm so sorry he had to go through that, but I will go, I will love you anyway. So I had this heart for wanting to love Jesus. It was starting when I was a little girl that I would tell people. And then, of course, I hit the teenage years. We don't know what happens to people in teenage years. But I know this, that God started to, God was just right there, you know, the, all the times. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again because I'm trying to, to stir up something in you that will stir up hope in your generations that are around you. Because we've already had some very powerful messages, and I'm bringing a testimony so that you can understand it lives inside of our life every single day. We don't forget it. When it's there, it stirs inside of us. And I remember my grandmother just laying there, just praying and just saying, Lord, lead her to live in water. Lead her to live in water. Don't stop until she finds her way back home. And she would be praying, and I would be so upset with her because I could not sleep because she was so loud praying in that house. And I'm like, oh, Lord, you know. And then the feeling that Jesus was going to come through the roof, I just could not help. The, it was just this feeling of him coming back. You guys think it was about the rapture story? It was just that I believe that her prayers actually met heaven and it, she, he would come. So I always had this feeling, though, that he was looking at me and it was a really uncomfortable feeling. But it was like this other part of me that knew it wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. It was just when I wanted to do what I wanted to do, I didn't want him looking at me. But I found the presence of God just always surrounded me since I can remember. Even in my bad, silly stuff that I was messing up, you know, whenever I did anything that didn't make sense, and I did a lot of that. Whenever I made decisions that I was going to run after people because I thought that maybe they had that love that I could feel that I wanted, you know, I thought that romance thing, and I know, hate to use that word, but I can't think of another one. I thought that romance thing I had with Jesus that was so intimate and so loving, I could find with people. And I start trying to trade out and find it with people. It was so disappointing because what happened was I would trade that romance and I'd walk away from Jesus to get that. And I'd end up used, abused, injured, and I hurt me and I hurt other people. And then as I had children come into my life, you know, I, I loved them so much and my heart just loved them. And, and I just, you know, I just couldn't get this part right where I would make this choice. I knew God was there. I knew his heart was there, but I wouldn't make the decision to just stay with him and, and be with him because I couldn't see him and I couldn't figure it out. How does this make sense? I can feel that he's somewhere, but how do I actually step in and really be in relationship with this God that I know he exists? Then one day, when the world seemed like it was the worst possible it could be for me, and I just decided that there's no way that I am acceptable now for this God who I've heard about all my life, I couldn't quite figure it out. He died for me. He did all this stuff, but I can't get this right. I've even gone to churches and got saved and, and, and walked in the door and then felt the condemnation of other people or whatever reason, and I would walk out of that door and I would walk away from God. Then one day, I decided, that's it. I'm not going to try this anymore. And I've told a story before, so a lot of you know it. But then one day, one day the day that I thought, that it was going to be the day, last day on my earth that I thought 
And I never was a person who was negative like that. But I just remember the enemy taking that opportunity to try to minister into that, that part of my heart that was broken. And I was going to school and there was this man and he was kneeling down, putting some, some seeds and flowers and moving some dirt around. And there were beautiful flowers. And he said, and I looked at the flowers and thought, those flowers are really pretty. He said, God sure do make some beautiful things now, don't he? Now, you may not understand that language, but from where I'm from, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but, and I looked at the flowers and thought, those are beautiful. And I got to admit, they were exceptionally beautiful because they, they caused me to gaze at those, that beauty of the flower. And he started speaking. He spoke gently to me. He started telling me, like the woman at the well, just a little bit about myself. And I knew there was something supernatural that was happening, but I was so broken, I really couldn't hear it. Not well. But he told me, he said, I want you to go to church tonight. And I don't know why he said that to me, because I was going to go to church. Someone, one of my kids had told me, my son Mario said, Mommy, are you going to come to church tonight with me? And I said, because my kids had started going, and I went, yeah, I guess so. I really didn't want to go, you know, at radical church, praising God and making all that noise, and I really don't have that. And that man told me, go to church tonight. God's going to meet you there. And I got home, and I decided I wasn't going to go to church. But then the people came, and they knocked at the door, and they caught me home. So I went ahead and got on that church van. And when I went to church that night, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I gave my life to Jesus. And the man that was on stage, our church was very orthodox in the sense that they just worshiped and praised. And then this man with this order of service kind of personality stops and pulls his legs apart. And I'll never forget it. He points at me. God wants to tell you something right now. And when he said that, it caught my attention because I still felt like I was going to give up the ghost that night. And he said to me, God wants me to tell you something. He sees where you are. He repeated the very words that were spoken to me by the man that I met earlier that morning. And I never forget the supernatural feeling that I got lifted out of my seat and I went to the front. He said, come up. And he called everybody in the church around me and they laid hands on me and the power of the Holy Spirit fell. I felt the flames of fire come on my head and go through my whole system and there was no way and look let me tell you I believe in tongues but I got filled with the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues and I hit the floor and for three days I can't tell you this day what I did I have no idea what happened to me where I was at how I got home I don't remember any of that I just remember the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit coming alive in me and I knew that day Something I never knew all the other times I'd run up to the altar. I knew that God was, he was, he was. And I knew that he was never going to leave me, that I was never going to turn around from him. I knew that. And there was nothing that could turn that around. And do you know that nothing's been able to snatch that since? Nothing has been able to take that away from me. I don't care what I've gone through. And I've gone through some silly stuff still. But nothing's been able to pull that 
fire of that hope in God. And that hope wasn't like the hope I used to have where I used to think, I hope I can stay saved this time. I hope I can live right this time. I hope that everybody thinks that I'm okay. All the hopes and everything I was focused on was so minuscule. And then all of a sudden, the king of glory came in and fire fell. And not only did he take what was new and put it in my heart. He showed me from the old stuff that I learned about the old rugged cross. All of a sudden that made sense. I understood that he gave his life for me and I understood why he did it. I couldn't figure out why I was so important that he would find me. But I knew this, if he did this for me, I am not going to forget telling anybody that knows me, that Jesus exists. I can't see someone's heart live in agony. I don't care where they come from and not know that Jesus Christ lives. And the power of God that fell on my heart that day will revive and turn your life around so we can have an opportunity to not only, not only live this life in orthodoxy, but to live this life with fire and power. Since that day, I've been filled and filled and filled and filled. And do you know, one day I rolled from back there all the way down to the front on the floor. I don't even know how I did that. And I know you look at me now and go, hi, where did she get I'm telling you, God just rolled me. Now, why am I telling you all of this stuff? Because sometimes we need to understand that hope has to be stirred up. It's not that we don't have hope. It's not that we don't got this stuff in us. It's that sometimes we get discouraged with all the stuff and we get the spirit of heaviness that flows on us and we start to walk around and we start to let down. All of us do it. That's a human nature thing. Even if you're not saved, you'll walk around. You can feel that low. The difference is, is when we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, then what happens is a power of power lives inside of us that lifts us up out of the grave every single day. We don't lay in the grave. We don't lay in the places of sickness. We don't lay in the places of mourning. We rise up because that's what Jesus did. He resurrected, and with him we resurrect. Every single day, the power of God resurrects us into the place that God wants us. If we will stir that up, then we'll remain. So the Holy Spirit didn't, with tongues was not the only thing that came. The Holy Spirit that brought in love. He started to teach love. Now that was some work, trying to love when I just felt like, you know, what does that mean? And I thought it meant I had to get married and I had to do all these other things. And yeah, that's cool. Those are good things. But my heart was caught. It was caught in the places of what my old mind knew. So then I met Jesus the Deliverer. Ooh, that's another story. I met Jesus the Deliverer. So I already was saved, full of fire, full of passion. Church was filling up by the groves. They had to buy vans and build up another building because people just were hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ according to what Sandra had experienced alone. And let me tell you something. If we get fire in us, then that's what will happen. We won't just stay in the wall. We'll go out there and we will tell people about Jesus Christ. My heart began to just fill up with something, but there was still this nagging thing that was going on inside of my heart that I could not get out of my head. And that was that I was born 
and I didn't make sense. I came at a rough time or bad timing, and God started to take that story as he was trying to work it out. He was showing me, I'm the God of the process. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take you step by step. And sometimes we get in a rush because we feel like, I need to see the supernatural fast, hurry up, it's got to happen right now kind of thing. And God is taking us through the process because he's building us, he's making us, he's renewing us, he's strengthening us. For the, I'm going to go into this part here. So sometimes one of the reasons that I don't read a whole lot is because maybe the lights affect my eyes and I wish I could um, say that that doesn't bother me sometime. I want you to pray for me because I believe before my life finishes down here, I'm going to have perfect vision, perfect alignment, and all of that. So I want to say that Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. If there's any hope on the earth, that is it. And maybe sometimes we're looking for some other way. But it says, John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way. This is not me saying this. He says, I am the truth. And I am the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. And one of the things that I start to learn about God the Father is how much he loved us, that he would send his son. It changed the story from sadness about Jesus, where I was feeling so sad and, and, and just in pain because I knew he was suffering for my behalf. And I would feel so remorse, and I'd just bow my head in this sorrow when I was confronting Jesus, and it made a little bit of us distort in how I walked out my gospel walk. Then all of a sudden, I started to realize that Jesus loved me because God loved me so much that he sent his son to deliver me, not only save me, but deliver me. And so then I began to understand that there was a father who loved me like that, that was a mighty father. Jesus was the resurrection and the life. John eleven twenty one 21 says, um, Lord, sorry, Lord, sorry. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even God will give you whatever you ask. And that's Martha talking to Jesus because Lazarus had died. And she was hoping that Jesus would have been there early so that he could do the supernatural quick thing and deliver him from death before because she knew that Jesus had the power to do this Jesus said to her your brother will rise again Martha answered I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this hallelujah as I began to understand that he was the resurrection and the life, I began to search him out. And yeah, I got into eschatology. I got into all these different things. And I was just so excited that Jesus was going to come again, that I wanted my life to line up with anything that would put me in a position where I could see and meet him. So I started saving food. I don't know what that had to do with it. I started saving rice and all this other stuff, trying to get it ready, putting it inside of some things. And I just didn't quite understand some of that, but I was excited about what to do when Jesus came and that trumpet sound, I was going to get out of here and I was going to go be with him. But what God began to do with me is he began to turn something around inside of my heart. 
And it began to have a compassion, a love that I couldn't quite explain to you, except that when I saw people, I saw Jesus wanting to tell them something, wanting to bring them to another place that they hadn't experienced yet, maybe. So first I knew there needed to be life given to them, that they needed to know that Jesus was the way. And I was wondering, how can I translate that message, God, that you've given? And I tell you what I know. That is, hope in Jesus is unlike any other hope you're going to have on the earth. We can have hope for getting a new car. I've got that. That was so cool. And then it broke down. I had to fix it and all these other things. And I had hope that I would get a husband. I got that. We're not even going to talk about what happened there. And then I I just had hope for for different things. I asked my kids stuff, and I hoped that they'd be good kids, and I got that. They're good kids. I love them. I had hope for all these wonderful things, and I started getting all that stuff, and there was no lasting peace in any of those things. I was all upset because I lost some furniture because I was in a relationship that was very abusive, and this person basically treated me so bad that my heart just felt like, man, I just must not. This was after I got saved. I must not be worth anything because even as a saved person, I'm still messing up. So how can this God love me? And then I remembered. I was the one who walked away, and God began to turn my life around. Man, in order to walk out of that thing, I had to leave all this really cool furniture. Furniture, this cool double stove. I love that stove. It was so powerful. I lived about 15 minutes from the beach. I was so excited about the stuff I had, but the stuff I had wasn't enough to sustain something that I needed with God, but inside of me burned this thing about this hope of this God that I had learned to love. And you know what happened? I began to turn my heart back to him. And all that stuff didn't even matter anymore. And I've had all that double time since. And I've learned that that stuff is not what's important. But that that communion with God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the love that he had for me when I was going through mourning, the love that he had for me when I was going through difficulty, when my son was in prison and I had to fight through that, there was a hope that lived underneath that I cannot explain to you except that it comes from the power of the Holy Ghost. So my my comment to you today, of all the things that I've heard this last month, to me this was the best month of messages that I've heard in a very long time. They talked about the the love of God, the hope of God, and how to sustain all of that. And you know what? So I'm going to just go over. So Marlene talked about love hopes all things. Love expects and has an anticipation for something good to happen that's much stronger than when we choose disappointment. She talked about this, and people's hearts were beginning to change. That was the beginning. Pastor Steve talked on um, the second and third week that in society, one of the greatest needs is hope. God wants to breathe a living hope into all hopelessness. He says, in Christ. Hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we are born again, adopted into the family of God, and we are no longer victims of the fall. And look, and then Pastor Larry came with his part of that, which was amazing, and defined biblical hope as a confident expectation that we will experience the goodness of God in all of life. 
And as each week came up and the messages came up, Sister Sally began to pray hope over people. And I heard Christy talk about how to maintain that as a part of our lifestyle. My heart was overwhelmed. And all week long, I thought about how in the world do I get on that stage and bring anything that could ever encourage anybody to have hope. And the Lord let me know that how he designs us, each one of us, affects the other. The man that was on the ground, that was tilling the flowers, telling me about the goodness of God and about the power of Jesus Christ to save. The man who stopped his order of service to point me out in the service. The day that I walked in this door and the power of God reached me from the time I walked in that door and changed my life around. How God showed me how to love people, and I don't know how to do that well. How he surrounded me with people that love. But I want to tell you one more piece of this before I pull out of here, because I believe that we need to pray today. And this is going to be a bit of a reading, okay? Acts 4, starting at verse 1, chapter 1. Acts 4, sorry. The teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and representatives of the Jewish sect of the Sadducees. They were furious that they were being taught that Jesus there was resurrection of the dead. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came in the temple courts to oppose them. They had them arrested and since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. Yet there were many in the crowd who believed the message, bringing the total number of men who believed nearly 5,000. The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, and elders of the people convened in a meeting in Jerusalem. Annas and, sorry, Annas the high priest was there with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others who were members of the high priest family. They made Peter and John stand in front of the council as they questioned them, saying, Tell us, by what power and authority have you done these things? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Respected elders and leaders of the people, listen. Are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. This is Jesus. This Jesus is the stone that you, the builders, have rejected. And now he has become the cornerstone. There is no one who has ever had power to save us for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. The name of Jesus. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply spending time with him. Standing there with them was the healed man, and there was nothing further that they could say. So they ordered them to leave the room while they discussed the matter. Among themselves, they said, what should we do with these men? 
Everyone in Jerusalem can clearly see that they performed a notable sign and wonder. We can't deny that. But to keep the propaganda from spreading for any, from any further among the people, let's threaten them severely and warn them to never speak to anyone in this name again. So they had them brought back in before the council and they commanded them to never teach the people or speak again using the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, you can judge for yourself. It is better to listen. To, is it better to listen to you or to God? It's impossible for us to stop speaking about all the things that we've seen and we've heard. Since the members of the council couldn't come up with a crime they could punish those, them for, they threatened them once more and then they let them go. All the people praised God, thrilled over the miraculous healing of the crippled man. And the man who received this miracle sign of healing was over 40 years old. I'm almost done. As soon as they released, were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers and explained all that had happened and the high priests and the elders. When the, pe when, sorry, when the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that was in them. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our father, saying, How dare the nations that plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers scheming and conspiring together against God and his anointed Messiah. In fact, Herod, Pontius Pilate, Herod and Pontius Pilate, all along with Jews and non-Jews, met together to take their stand against the holy servant, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. To him, all with their purpose will, has been determined according to the destiny you had marked for him. So now, Lord, listen to their hearts to harm us. Empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your son, Jesus. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them. I want to say that again. As they prayed, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. All the believers were one in mind and heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community, for they shared everything they had with one another. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great measures of grace rested upon them all. Let me tell you, if we want power to be able to have this hope to live and remain in us, we need to allow God to fill us and refill us. It means we need to give him our morning and take the time and spend with him in the beginning of the day. And at night when we lay our head, we give him our night. If we want power to be able to tell people about Jesus so that they are saved and their lives are turned around, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with power so we have the fire to actually give that love and hope. And I want to tell you, so Chris, I want you to come up real quick, wherever you are. I want to tell you something. In order to stir that hope with the Holy Spirit, 
If you feel yourself feeling down and out and you don't feel like you kind of got everything going together, and I'm not really worried about if you think I'm doing a preaching that's making you feel fire, but I do want to tell you, Holy Spirit will give you fire that will sustain you. So if you, if you feel like in your heart you are burning with a desire to give a word to someone, ask the Holy Spirit to come in. But if you're not meeting with Holy Spirit, if you're not meeting with Father God, then expect your stuff to be kind of low down, your oil to be in your lamp kind of low. We need to raise that oil. We need to let that oil be replenished by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we start out, we get saved, and we are full of fire and all of that, but we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to wait there until um, I send the gift that I promised to send you. That was the Holy Spirit. In Acts, we saw refilling and refilling again, where they started out where they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they got filled with the Holy Spirit and joy, and then they got filled with the Holy Spirit and the power to lay hands on the sick and see them raise up. You know, it's real easy to look at something that you don't see every day and say, that's not happening. But I'm telling you, in all honesty, I can't ignore and not tell you the truth about the goodness of God. I was healed in Jesus' name. I was healed of disease in Jesus' name. I was delivered in Jesus' name. My whole life was centered around um, what should have looked like loss. The hope for me was minimal. It was minimal because everything I chose to do was messed up. I am a complete opposite of what it was that was happening in my life. And I walk right along with doctors and lawyers and I tell them about Jesus Christ and they listen because of the fire of the power of Jesus Christ. And I don't talk to them loud like I'm talking to you right now because I think that would scare them. But I tell you what, if you take the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you remind people of what God did and how much he loves you, that he will turn your life around and he will turn their life around. And that meter that's down in the dumps, that hope of living hope of God that's in there will stir up and start fire. So that's the first piece of it. Holy Spirit intentionally meeting with God so you can get that fire. Then you need to go lay hands on somebody. You, I know we say, oh, I don't think you're supposed to lay hands on everybody. Maybe not. But if you got the fire of the Holy Ghost, then you should be able to lay hands on somebody. And, so, and, I'm, and if you got the Holy Ghost, stuff is just not going to get you. So don't be worried about what's going on over here. Just Take it. Those things will have to flee. When um, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will start creating ideas in you that will turn something around. So we're going to start with one piece. I'm going to give you some practical things that we've been doing to stir up the Holy Ghost. So Sandra wanted me to share um, an outreach I did last Saturday in my community. And I live, well, we've lived here for about a year now. And we live on a street of duplexes. So when I would be out doing yard work or whatever, people would just stop and say hi, and you'd have these conversations. And one day I heard the Holy Spirit say that you need to um, make that intentional. And for three months, I just invited some of my family and then some people that we met in the community over for a meal. And then I felt God say, take it outside into your neighborhood and so I approached um, three of my neighbors and two of them came on board and we did a coffee tea hot chocolate pastries um, last week in our neighborhood and it was it was really fun and um, two days before the event I had a note on my door and we always go out through the garage and it was from the post office and it said um, it's a federal offense to put things in people's mailbox without postage on them. 
because they just drove through our neighborhood and had Abigail sticking the little invites in everybody's post office. And I thought, so I kind of laughed and, and I called them and apologized and stuff. And um, it's also a federal offense to just open someone's mailbox that's not yours. So I didn't know that. But um, we got together and I think there were about eight or nine adults that came, even despite the invites getting picked back out by the post office and Abigail, a teenager, and three kids, and it, it was really fun, and when we were sitting there, um, our mail usually gets delivered at three in the afternoon, and as we're sitting there in th that morning, here comes the postman, so we invited the postman, and he came, and he had coffee and donuts with us, so it's just, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of sets things up, but then, you know, he, he comes through and stuff, and so, um, I'll just share, I'm, I'm, I'm a single mom, and I have the gift of faith, but I did sit on my couch and say, you know, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, this is your thing. This is, I'm just being obedient, and we're going to do this, and you're going to show up. And one of the things that he, the Lord brought my attention to that day is <clears throat> my neighbor Dennis is in a wheelchair, not because he's paralyzed, just he has difficulties with his legs, and that was one of the things one day about a month ago, God gave me the opportunity to pray for him and lay hands on his legs and stuff. And when he came that morning to the coffee thing, um, he was talking about some, something that his doctor gave him to put on his legs. And when I looked at his legs, his legs were visibly, I was like, oh my gosh, look at your legs. They're not swollen like they were and everything. So, you know, Praise God, and, and I'll say that there's, there was foundations in every person. Sandra came, and she was there during that part where people kind of shared their heart a little bit about their faith and what they'd grown up with. The foundation is there, you know, and it's just the stepping out. And when I came to church last Sunday, I forget the name of the song we sang, but the song about heaven when pain will be no more but and mercy floods the streets I don't know they, but when we were singing that I got that picture in my mind's eye yeah. Amen. that we have this main road Butterfield Drive that just runs and there's all these cul-de-sacs and drives and circles off of it and it was just like you know Jesus is walking the streets his mercy yeah. is like a river going through those streets and just branching off down down those things, and, you know, that's what we bring to our neighborhoods. So. Woo! Debbie, run the other video. That's hope in the community. We also had um, just last week where we met with John B. Hughes Apartments, where we've had um, some, we've been having an opportunity to minister out there. We call it Hope Masterclass where we go out and we take people who would like to go out and teach single parents, mother, women or men, how to do something. It could be art, it could be cooking. And this week, Francie went and she um, taught this class how to make taco soup, which is amazing. And let me tell you something, we sat with these people and this is a federal ground. You're not supposed to be praying and stuff, but this, this lady right here on the end with the blonde hair is a manager, and I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to get in trouble, but we just, we were able to pray with people in the end. All throughout, we were able to talk to people. Francie did a wonderful job. 
and Larry did a wonderful job serving the people. And this was our way of opening the door for hope to stir life into a community. It may not all, you got to trust God in the process. If you feel down and you feel like stuff is not working just right, I promise you, if you go out and you practice laying hands, you practice doing the things that God has for you, what will happen is you will stir up this faith in you. You will stir up the faith to trust God, to understand that he is a living hope. It's like something will happen to you and it will start a fire that will burn and burn and burn. Don't worry about being perfect. My voice isn't perfect. Your voice won't be perfect. Some people's voice, like Pastor Steve, is perfect. But what you'll have is you'll take that message to a nation You'll take it to the place where you are, and God will do something to turn those people's lives around. Sometimes you'll end up in other nations. Sometimes you'll end up right around the corner, like we're going to do today, where we're going to be out here ministering to our own community. Stir up the gift that's inside of you. Stir it up. Uh, it says in the, that we are in the last days. That's what people are saying all over the place, and that's fine. We're in the last days, but Pastor Steve said last week, I want to be found working all the way until Jesus comes. So continue to work, continue to stir up. So Acts 13, 52 is my last one. And then Pastor Phil, you can come. Let us run the pers with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father, the throne of God. And I just think, and that's Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, sorry. So I want to just pray right now. Father, as you begin to stir our hearts, this to me today was a hard message. Not because, because it wasn't as tangible. I couldn't quite figure out. I had to build faith as to how to help encourage people to know that your Holy Spirit is the fire that we need in order to stir up this living hope in us. We don't want it to be empty in our, in our, our, um, in our presence. We want to make sure that our presence is full of fire everywhere we go, that the healed, that those who need healing receive healing, that those who need encouragement receive encouragement. I've, I've got one more thing too, and I know we've got just like five seconds. Not too long ago, a young lady came over to the office and she was, it was 19 degrees out the night before. She was laying out somewhere nearby and was pretty much frozen when she came into the building. And it was the morning we had the kids here, so I didn't want to, um, her to be down with the children at the school, so I brought her upstairs. I watched her thaw out right in front of my face. It was one of the most sad things I had seen from someone homeless is to watch everything start to leak out of her nose and her eyes because she was so frozen. And she thought I was gonna throw her out, so she started fussing. She said, are you gonna throw me out too? Are you just gonna toss me out? And my heart, I didn't show it to her at the time. I just listened to her. I said, I'm not gonna throw you out. I just wanna get you over here because this is kids. And I brought her upstairs and I began to minister to her. The power of the Holy Spirit fell so hard on my heart for her that I began to minister to her and I saw the peace of God come over her. What did I minister to her? The living hope of Jesus Christ. I couldn't just tell her my story and my testimony. 
I had to tell about the one who's worthy of the testimony. And that was about Jesus Christ. Stir up this thing in yourself. Don't miss this opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, to show them about Jesus. Be the living example of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we can be ministering the public and we're looking for Holy Spirit to fall on that person we're ministering to and we can, we can uh, miss him falling on us. And oftentimes it's him falling on us is going to be a breakthrough for them as well, is, is that, that hope that comes through Jesus, our only hope, you know. Um, this author of life, you know, that's who he is. I think that's Acts 2 where, again, under the power of the Holy Spirit, they say, you know, you put to death the author of life. And that's a name you don't hear of Jesus very much, but a name given to him, the Alpha, the Omega, the Creator. The beginning and the end. There's no, no one greater. And yet, you know, the question comes up, and we're moving into a month now on Harvest Prayer. And the question often comes up, well, what can I do? Well, for Francie, it was to make taco soup. And then God did the rest. I think that leaves none of us with 